You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. We're in this series called Shift, and um, yesterday I was on my way down to Mint Hill. Um, Brylon Gann's um, dad had died, and so Brylon was preaching his service, and so I was going down there for that, and I was two miles away from the church, stopped at a stoplight, and got rear-ended, and my immediate response was I slammed my fist down on the console and I went, this is a, oh, just a, I was so mad, you know. Road rage kicked in in the moment. So I just pulled over into this service station. The car was able to drive and, and uh, this car pulled in behind me and I got out and this little college age girl was going, I am so sorry. And I was like, I, I went from this moment where you just are so mad. You're going, it's going to be okay. It's okay. Are you okay? Is your, are anybody, are you hurt? And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I tell you, I'm a little stiff. Uh, you know, the little whiplash thing going on and all that. So I think I'm going to be worth a million dollars in a couple of days. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but that happened. And you know, that, that, but in that instant, it's just like, you just feel like you're done wrong, you know? You're like, what were you doing? Were you texting and driving? Were you just not paying attention? What was going on? Uh, and, and even in that instant, this little thing crept in called pride. Anybody else deal with it? Yeah, I is right in the center of it, you know? And uh, it, it just, it's just pride thing, and, and we, we all struggle with it. We all deal with it. I don't care if it's in your mind, it might be minuscule, but in your spouse's mind, it's huge, okay? But we all have this pride thing, and it's existed from the very beginning. I mean, from the beginning. I mean, that's why Lucifer, who became known as Satan, was thrown out of heaven because of pride. He thought he should be equal with God or above God, and so he was cast out of heaven. And then, um, you know, it entered into man and, and all of his sin, and it just... It just was a reason for the first murder. I mean, it was just sin. I mean, the, the sin of pride has plagued us our entire lives, and we never really get away from this, but the thing about pride is it is so hard for us to identify in ourselves. You don't look in the mirror and see it. You don't wake up in the morning and go, okay, I'm, no, I'm prideful, and I'm just gonna deal with it today. No, what we do is we see it in everybody else. We recognize it in our spouse, we recognize it in our boss, we recognize it in our friends, we recognize it in our children, we recognize it in everyone else except for ourselves. In case you don't know what pride is, pride is this pretending to be something you're not and refusing to admit you're wrong. It's about the most basic definition I could think of. It is pretending to be something that you're not and refusing to admit you're wrong. And we have all done that. We have all had those moments when we deal with pride. We pretend we're somebody we're not, and we refuse to admit when we are wrong. And what happens with pride is pride has this weird way of diminishing you. Even though you're wanting to build yourself up and make yourself look bigger than you really are, what it really does is it diminishes you. It, it brings you down in the eyes of every body else. And what happens with pride is it affects your eyesight because you're unable to see your own faults. You're unable to see where your, your shortcomings are. And instead, you can only focus on those around you. So it affects your eyesight. When you look in the mirror, when you look in the Word of God, the mirror of the Word of God, you don't see pride in yourself. I don't see pride in myself unless there's a breakthrough. But what I end up doing is I just see where everybody else is at fault. You know, that's where that road rage comes from. We start seeing how everybody else is a terrible driver, and Tracy's going, you ever think it's you? 
And I said, how dare you would say something like that to me, the king of the house, you know? Just kidding. Um, I know better than that. Um, and if I didn't know better, I will find out this afternoon. Yeah, and so, uh, but, but pride does, it just diminishes us. Everybody else starts to see your pride and there you are just puffing yourself up and everybody else sees it and looks down upon you because you think you're all that and they're looking down on you while you're building yourself up. And, and I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln and I think it was on his Twitter feed, but it said this, I'm kidding. Um, Lincoln didn't have a Twitter feed. For some of y'all that may not have a clue what Twitter is. Um, what kills a skunk is the publicity it gives itself. And this is what pride does to us. It's the publicity that we give ourselves that ends up bringing us down. It ends up tearing us down. You've known of people that have had so much pride and you couldn't wait for their fall, right? I mean, you weren't gonna cause it, but you wanted a front row seat to it. You wanted to see it. And, and, and pride is one of those things that, that we bring attention to ourselves because we wanna elevate ourselves. We want everybody else to admire us and look up to us and think that we're something that we're not. And what happens is we give ourselves all this publicity and then eventually we fall. We eventually fall down off of that pedestal that we put ourselves up, up, put ourselves up on. And so pride, not only does it diminish you, but pride also diminishes the people around you because you usually, when you're prideful, when I'm prideful, we start to get harsh with other people. And what we, we tear them down with our words. We use condescending language and tones. You've been around those people. Maybe you've had those moments where you were just condescending with your tone, with the words that you use, the language, and we're constantly tearing other people around. If you've ever been like in a group of people and like this husband and wife have this thing going on where he's constantly just tearing her down and everybody else in the circle is so uncomfortable except for him. You've been there and you just know that they're cutting other people down and what it is is they're just building themselves up. And usually prideful people are very superficial. They wanna make sure that everybody sees them and they want them to, to see them for who they believe them to be but not for who they really are. We would never want to see behind the curtain. They would, we'd never want them to see behind the curtain of who we are. We always wanted to, to look at us as something that we are not, as somebody that we're pretending to be. And so it diminishes, it diminishes um, ourselves, it diminishes others, and it ends up, through this diminishing, it ends up pushing others away. For some of you, this is the reason your marriage ended. For some of you, this is the reason that your kids won't speak to you today. For some of you, this is the reason that you have torn apart relationship after relationship after relationship. It is pride. You've, you've refused to acknowledge it in your life. You're so full of yourself that there's no room for anybody else in your life because it's all about you and it's all about having your way and it's all about you being right in every single conversation, every disagreement. And what ends up happening is you have just pushed people away because they're walking on eggshells around you. They're afraid they're gonna say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, and you're gonna blow up at them and you're going to diminish them and you're gonna tear down everybody else in the room and you're defensive about everything. And all that is, is pride. If no one has a place to correct you in your life, you are dealing with pride and you don't even know it, but everybody else around you knows it. 
because they know they can't confront you, they can't say anything to you, and they're walking on eggshells around you. Your kids are walking on eggshells, your spouse is, and you are full of pride. But the worst thing about pride is pride pushes God away. Pride pushes God out of your life, and you neglect a relationship with God because you would have to answer to somebody. You would have to bow your knee and admit you're wrong, and so basically you push God out of your life as well. You say, I don't have room for God because I'm so full of myself and I'm so full of pride. We would never say this probably to ourselves because we're prideful and you can no longer be king of your life. And so what happens is you just push God out. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more later on. But your sin of pride will be what ultimately condemns you. Your sin of pride will be the, the thing that ultimately condemns many of you. You refuse to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and you refuse to bow your knee in confession to him. And if you, if you keep admitting um, your sin or you, you refuse to admit your sin, admit your need for a savior. And the thing that we know is our culture is full of this. It's full of pride. Pride and self-promotion are so prevalent in our culture. We see this all over and we see it in sports, Right? I mean, you follow a sports team and you like everybody on the team, but you can only do that for about a year because they're gonna find a bigger, better contract somewhere else and they're going to move on and there's just no team loyalty anymore. There's no real loyalty in sports because it's all about self-promotion and it's creeping into the NCAA now and pride of self-promotion, self-promotion, self-promotion. And it's all about look at me. And you see it in Hollywood Hollywood elite, they are all about self-promotion and it's all about pride. Uh, we see it on social media, even in our own neighborhood, in our own newsfeed. We see self-promotion. We see this, this idea of pride. We want everybody to look at us. We want everybody to like us. And we want people to envy us because we've been envying somebody else who has more followers and more likers. And so pride and envy, it all just kind of this circular downward spiral that we find ourselves in. And the shame of it all, is we also find it prevalent in the church today. We find, I, get, I follow a lot of pastors and a lot of spiritual leaders on social media, and it's almost like they are constantly trying to promote themselves and sell a book. And I just get so tired of it. I just get so tired of the self-promotion, but it's everywhere we look, and it's prominent in the church today. And Jesus knew that. So when Jesus came, what Jesus came to do, he came to shine a light on a religious culture of pride and to shift it to a culture of humility. He wanted to diminish pride in the church and especially in the religious community, but not just there, in the community altogether. Because whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you have to admit, pride has gotten the way of a lot of things in your life. You don't even have to be a follower of Jesus to know that. We know that pride is one of those things, it gets in the way of a lot of things. It gets in the way of, of relationships, it gets in the way of, of even job promotions in some cases and in other areas of your life. And Jesus dealt with it from the beginning. When he came on the scene, uh, the first sermon he ever did, recorded in Matthew chapter five, Sermon on the Mount, he jumps right into it. He said, blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. He says, so he was applauding humility, 
And he goes on even in that sermon to deal with pride specifically. And then um, he dealt with it constantly with the, with the scribes and the Pharisees. And we'll see one of those passages here today. But even right before Jesus was crucified, before he was arrested, he had the, the apostles in the, in the upper room, the disciples in the upper room, and he wanted to demonstrate to them what it looked like to battle pride and to show them that instead of being prideful, make sure you wrap a towel around your waist and you serve people, and that's what Jesus did. So he was constantly dealing with this. He would hear the disciples discussing who was gonna be the greatest, who was gonna be the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus would have to deal with their pride. And he, even after being with them for three years, this final week of Jesus's life that we're kind of looking at, he dealt with pride with the Pharisees, with the scribes, with those around him, the religious leaders, but he also dealt with it with his own disciples who was discussing who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus had to straighten them out on that. So if you have your Bible and you wanna open it up, Matthew chapter 23, verse one, and these scribes, they should have known the Old Testament, they should have known Proverbs 16, eight really well, where it says, pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction, right? And we know that. We know that pride comes before a fall, and that's where you look for people that, you look at people that are prideful, and you would, I can't wait till they fall. And we really need to apply that to our own life. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse one, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, so all those that were gathering around him, he's continuing this week. We're on Tuesday of Passion Week now, okay? Last week, we were on Sunday and Monday. This week, this is what's going on on Tuesday, they're having conversations, Jesus back in Jerusalem, and he says to the crowd and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They sit in a place of authority. So the scribes and the Pharisees were looked at as the religious leaders, and rightly so, they were given that place of, in Moses' seat. They had a place of authority. But what Jesus said, because they're in a place of authority, observe what they tell you, do and observe what they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They have the problem that you and I have is we are like, do as I say, but don't do as I do. And these men of authority were so good at giving out instruction, but they were very poor at living out what they were preaching. And I think I have probably dealt with that a time or two in my own life. We tell people, don't do as I do, just do as I say do. And we wanna make sure that people uh, listen to us because we wanna speak with authority, but it's when that lifestyle doesn't measure up to the words that we have a problem, and that's what Jesus is pointing out. Listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. They tie up these heavy burdens that, that weigh down the entire person. They're they heavy burdens that they are putting on you, and they're hard to bear. They lay on people's shoulders, but they, they themselves are not even willing to move, uh, to move them with their little finger. And what Jesus was saying here is they have piled on so many burdens. The Pharisees and the scribes, they, they knew the law. Let's just say that the law that God had was don't jump off this, this stage, okay? Don't jump off this. If you jump off this stage, you are a sinner, so what they would do in order to keep you from falling off that, they would come back here and they would draw a line and they'd say, don't even step over this line. And they would equate this line with that line. And so they made their law just as important as God's law, at least in other people's lives. 
because they would add these burdens to people. And they were saying, don't do this and do this. And they would, they would have so many instructions that were adding to the law of Moses, which they were authorities on, but they were just kind of, they would back the line up and they would say, don't even do this because when you do, they, they equated this sin or what they would say is sin to the sin of jumping off the cliff, so to speak. And so they put these burdens on people's shoulders and they're not even willing to move a finger to help you, not even to put forth the least amount of effort to help you in your journey. So the scribes and the Pharisees, they had legitimate authority to teach, but their practices were hypocritical. Their practices were hypocritical. What they were saying and what they were doing just didn't measure up. And so hypocrisy is the behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or to feel. It's closely associated with pride. These two go hand in hand, hypocrisy and pride. And that's what Jesus is about to call out or is calling out in these scribes and the Pharisees because they had heaped on these huge burdens on people and they weren't even willing to move, lift a finger to help people with those. And what I know about us and what I know about you, when, you pra when your practice doesn't equal what you preach, even the truth you speak will be diminished. When you don't practice what you preach, even the truth you speak will be diminished. Your, your family won't listen to you. Other people will not listen to you because they go, why should I listen to you? Because you don't even do what you're saying. You don't even really live out and believe what you're saying you want me to believe. And it's the hypocrisy of our life. It's the, the inconsistencies that have pushed so many kids away. It's, it's pride. It's pride. I've been, a, I've been in ministry for a long time. I, I went to Bible college in 88, got out in 92, went right into full-time ministry. So my kids grew up listening to me preach a lot, whether it was when I was a youth pastor and some of my kids were in my youth group and, and then I became their pastor. And so years they've listened to me preach and I've always desired that my voice and the words that I say on the stage, on this platform, would always measure up to what my kids saw at home. But you know what? There were many times that they didn't. There were many times that, that the words that I preached did not line up with the things that I practiced. And I would have to constantly evaluate myself because I never wanted to push my kids away from faith in the Lord because of my hypocrisy. And there are many kids who have run away from the church because of the hypocrisy in the church whether it was in their family or it was in somewhere else in the church. And we're all sinners and we all should all admit that and be as honest as we possibly can with that because hypocrisy and pride is what has pushed people away for many, many years. And we wanna avoid that because that's what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. Ralph Waldo Emerson, this famous quote says, what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you are saying, right? You've heard that, I mean, you've heard that said, and you probably even used it. I cannot hear what you're saying because what you're doing is way too loud. That's when we're, what you practice and what you preach just don't line up, and it's inconsistent. And other people see it in us, they see the hypocrisy, they know the pride, but we do not admit it in our own lives. Jesus goes on, gives a little bit of motivation behind why they're doing what they were doing. He says, they do all their deeds so that they can be seen by others. 
They want others to look at them and they want others to elevate them for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Let me explain those two things to you. They love recognition and they love to be recognized as spiritual leaders. And so even if you go over to Israel today in Jerusalem and, and anywhere that there's a prominent Jewish culture, um, they wear these boxes either on their head or on their arms. And what these boxes contain are portions of scripture. And, and they will put these on there. And they would, sometimes they're small, but other times they're rather large. And what Jesus was saying is they were wearing these boxes with scripture in it. They were wearing the large ones so that people would notice how big their boxes were that had their phylacteries in it. That's a fun word to say. You should just try it. Um, they make their phylacteries broad and they make their fringes long. And so also underneath their outer garment, they would wear like an undergarment and they would put tassels on, those, on, the, on the ends of those. And sometimes it would just barely hang out and you can see it even over there today and, and in Jewish culture. Um, but, but some of them would make them extra long because they wanted people to see them and they wanted them to look up to them and they, they wanted them to, to be, they wanted to be admired because they wanted the recognition but they would make these phylacteries extra long, broad and they would make their fringes extra long. But some would say that they were overcompensating for their lack of spiritualness. And we've done that too. I mean, we, we overcompensate for our lack of spiritual depth by um, making people think that we're more spiritual than we really are. We're using scripture and, you know, you've been around people that you just feel so much less than them spiritually because they just seem to know so much. And not only do they seem to know so much, they want you to know they know so much. So they're using scripture constantly and they're using these quotes and, and they're talking about stuff that you have no idea what they're talking about. And usually it's an overcompensation. They're trying to make you feel diminished by building themselves up. But that's not the way Jesus did. What Je the only people Jesus ever did that to were the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people who wanted to puff themselves up. Jesus would say, oh, I'll show you and he would bring them down. But the other people, he used the word of God and he used scripture to build people up through those relationships and through those conversations. And no means that he ever wanna make somebody feel condescended, uh, if that's a word. He didn't wanna condescend toward people in his conversations with them. He goes on and he says, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue. I mean, he would walk, they would love to walk into this big fellowship, this big feast, and, and want the prominent seat at the table. They would come into the synagogues, and they wanted to be on the front row, and only the spiritual people are on the front row. Yeah, see? And, uh, but that's what they wanted. They wanted, the, they wanted the best seat in the synagogue so people would look at them and applaud them and say, oh, how spiritual that you are. And so that, all they wanted was recognition and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. So they would go into the marketplace and recognition was all they were after. If they had a social media feed, they would be after the number of likes they could get. They would go on the number of followers, the most number of followers they could get. And then Jesus, as he speaks into the problem and he speaks into their motivation, he goes on and he says this, but you are not to be called rabbi. He said, they're seeking to be called rabbi, but I wanna tell you guys, you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. So when you go to a church and they say, well, brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so, they're basically basing this off of this passage because they would never elevate somebody to a place of prominence and call them something that shouldn't be 
called. Many of you call me Pastor Marty. I don't care if you just call me Marty. It does not bother me one bit. Titles should not be what we're after in this life. We should not be so prideful that you better call me by my proper title. No, he's saying, don't call anybody your rabbi. Instead, you're all brothers. Don't even let people call you teacher. Um, and then he says, and no one, and call no man your father. I will let that speak for itself on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. He says, neither be, neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, and that is Christ. And so he's saying, don't be after titles, don't be after recognition, because that is a way that you just puff yourself up to some place that you should not be. I've been in churches where you had to call the pastor the man of God. Well, I'm no more man of God than most of you men should be. Okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be recognized as a man of God. I am no, nothing special in that regard. I just happen to be the guy that, that gets to get up here and preach and that kind of thing. But he's saying, don't, don't give improper recognition here on earth because that is a puffing up and is a prideful thing. Instead, I want you to all know we're on a level playing field. We just have different gifts and different roles that we play in the church and in the family. But Jesus went on and he said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. It's not gonna be your teacher. It's not gonna be your rabbi. It's not gonna be your instructor. It's not gonna be somebody that you even call father. He says, the greatest among you is going to be the person who is your servant. I want you to know that humility is what Jesus is looking for. Not titles, not recognition from you. He is looking for you and me to be servants of other people. And he said, when you do that, then you're the greatest. He's flipping it around. He's shifting things from this pride to this humility. He says, so whoever goes out and exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself, that person will be exalted because Jesus came to shift us from pride to humility. And he's saying, you live in a culture that's all about pride and it's all about self-promotion and it's all about recognition. I'm just telling you that Jesus came to say, be gone with that. Shift your mindset, shift your heart from pridefulness to humility. Because what happens is pride says, look at me. Pride says, look at me, look at my accomplishments, look at my titles, look at all that I've done. Envy me, want my life, want my stuff. Envy me, and, and, and they look down upon the other person. So pride says, look at me, but humility says, let me serve you. It's how can I serve you? How can I wrap a towel around my waist and wash your feet? How can I serve your needs? And that's what Jesus is saying. Get, do away with all the pride. Look for ways to serve because when you start serving other people, that is an antidote to pride. Humility comes along with service in most cases. And then he goes on and he pronounces this woe to these scribes. And, and then Matthew chapter 23, Jesus starts going through these seven woes, these seven uh, basic judgments that he's saying here to the scribes. And the first one he says is, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And this woe, this is a, an expression of this righteous anger. It's a pronunciation of judgment that is coming. And he's saying, I want you to know, you scribes and you Pharisees, Woe to you. And if you wanna know what the rest of them are, just go home and read Matthew chapter 23 and study each one of those six, six more that, that Jesus pronounced. But he's saying, woe to you. Get ready, judgment's coming. You're going to be brought down. 
Your day of judgment is coming, you hypocrite. Those of you who uh, say one thing and you do another, you want people to see you in one light, but really you're behind the scenes, you're this. He says, for what you do is you shut, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. So through your pride, you've actually closed the door on people coming into the kingdom. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. So what you've done is your pride has kept you from entering the kingdom, but not just you. Because of your pride, you've hindered other people as well. And this is a direct word for the church today, that when we allow pride and we allow the sin of pride to be prevalent in our lives, and we refuse to admit when we're wrong, and we refuse to humble ourselves and serve other people, not only are we closing the door to the kingdom to ourselves, we are closing it to the people who are watching us the people who are looking to us and the people who uh, are on the outside looking in. We are closing the kingdom to them and that's what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing. And so pride has kept many people out of heaven because they refuse to admit that they're a sinner in need of a savior. But not only that, the shame of it is some of your pride has kept your family out of heaven because they saw the hypocrisy in your life, they saw the pride in your life that you refused to admit and you refused to humble yourself, and now you've got kids who have walked away from faith because of your pride, and you've done what the Pharisees have done. You've closed the door to the kingdom in people's faces because of pride. And you yourself are closed off from the kingdom because you refuse to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because pride will shut you out of heaven and your pride will shut others out also. And what Jesus is calling us to do is to recognize the pride in our lives because it is there. And don't let it keep you from doing what God has called you to do, from taking that next step of obedience with God. For some of you, that next step might be baptism. You've been saved, you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but pride is keeping you from being immersed in the baptistry. And Jesus is saying, God is saying, you need to be baptized and pride is keeping you from that next step of obedience. There's apologies that you need to make and pride has kept you from it. There's relationships that you need to reconcile and pride has kept you from it because you think, man, if I say I'm sorry, then I'm giving them a license to mistreat me again. No, you're not. You're humbling yourself and doing what God says for us to do and what Jesus demonstrated for us to do. But don't let your pride shut you out of heaven. Don't let your pride and your, your failure to recognize your need for a savior today to keep you out of heaven. A couple of questions for you to think about. Number one, how does pride show up in your relationships, in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, in your relationship with your friends, in your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your employees, with anybody else. How does pride show up in your relationships? This is a chance for you to look in the mirror of your soul and say, where is pride and how is it affecting my relationships? Number two, how does pride show up in your spiritual journey of growing in your relationship with Christ? What's that next step you need to take? What is that next step of obedience that you need to take? Many people swallow their pride and says, hey, I wanna be used and they're, they're jumping on board and starting ministries and starting small groups and, and it is just a, a way where we go, okay, I'm tired of being prideful and I'm just gonna humble myself and serve like God has put it in me. So how does pride show up in your spiritual journey? 
And then number three, will you just confess the sin of pride today? Would you humble yourself enough to say, hey, I'm prideful and I reckon I'm condescending to people. I cut my wife down. I cut my husband down. I cut my kids down because somehow it makes me feel better about myself. People look at you as a narcissist because you're all about yourself. And it's all pride. It's just pride. And you're suffering because of it, but you still won't admit it because you're prideful. Will you confess that sin? And then number four, is pride keeping you from beginning a relationship with God today? You've said no long enough because it would look like you were weak and you would just refuse to humble yourself before God. Maybe today is the day of salvation for you. You would say, I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And Jesus is my savior and I will confess that today. If you're here like that today, Tom and I would love to meet you at the altar. Somebody else in the room would love to meet you at the altar. Or you can meet us back in the VIP room as soon as we are done with this service. Let's all stand together. See, I told you that's probably the best message you ever heard, right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's one of those battles I have. It's a constant battle for all of us. No, please don't, you're building up my pride. Um, It is, I, I deal with it as much as anybody. And we've got to constantly be battling it. We've got to, we, we need each other to help too. I need people to recognize it in my life and will speak that into my life. That's why I'm glad I've got a godly wife who is perfect and she has that way. Father, we're so thankful today that Jesus recognizes this as just an issue that we all deal with. And um, we can pretend that we don't and Lord, the reason we pretend it is because we're prideful. And so today, wherever we are in this, I pray that you will strike a nerve in our heart get us on our knees before you. God, if there's somebody here who has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior because of pride, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that he would humble themselves before a righteous, holy, and perfect God and trust in Jesus as their Savior. So do a work right now in Jesus' name, amen.